Happy birthday to the podcast. Oh, this week. you, you know, gave me a moment there. Then. <laughs> Do you it's know, not, it's not mine and it's not yours, but... The podcast is five years old I this week. Amazing. And we didn't realise this. No. Shamefully, we didn't realise this, but Julian not did. Thank you very much, Julian. And he's got us a cake as well. It's fantastic. Uh, we it, have much to discuss cake. Um, yeah. A magnificent cake it is as well. Uh, letter came with it as well. Um, thank you to Start Right Patisserie in Lucia Street, Torquay, for making the cake. Limited edition cake, limited edition mug. The best thing about that cake is it's in the best Torquay United colours ever. It's It's white with the blue yellow blue ribbon on it. Uh, uh, so. Many, many thanks. Julian, uh, one of our most loyal listeners, has been a fantastic supporter, almost from, well, from the word go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and every time we are struggling and thinking, oh my goodness, what on earth are we going to babble on about this week? A word of, an email of encouragement <clears throat> comes on and we're up and running again. So we're very mm. grateful. The whole office is going to be very grateful this afternoon as well when we cut into that. But as it says on the top of the cake, we have much to discuss. And we do. In this of all weeks. In this of all weeks. Let's begin with Talkie United. Still on the subject of food, by the way. Did you know that Pringles have got an offer on at the moment? They're trying to give away lots of garden sports equipment. <laughs> and if you buy... Is this World Cup? At, <laughs> if you look at Pringles, it says free goal with every three cans. So I've bought two dozen for Jamie Reid. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. Um, Talking United news. We do have some news this week. Though. Yeah, There's yeah. A since, signing. Yeah, since we were, I, I, I think actually there may have been more done in quotes than have actually been announced so far um, since we were, since we spoke last. George Essuman, a young defender from Dover Athletic. Well, he, he was at Dover Athletic, but he's been at quite a few more clubs apart from that. Um, uh, and has has joined the club. And Rory Keating has re-signed. Yeah. Pleased um, about that. I'm pleased. To, yes. I'm looking forward to seeing Rory again. Yeah. Maybe a rejuvenated Rory playing in a team that maybe, touch wood, wins a couple of games. Going forward a yeah. bit more confidently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's face it, he, he was signed by Kevin Nicholson with this sort of future in mind. Mm. In other words, not as a ready-made player, but as somebody who could you know, get better. I don't think anybody's ever doubted his commitment and his work rate. Well, it's... Not plain absolutely. as it yeah. goes on your yeah. face, isn't it? And and um, uh, uh, he is uh, one of the players who I'm sure uh, Gary Hours had in mind when he um, presumably persuaded uh, Clark Osborne to um, uh, stay full time next season on, yeah. the, on on the playing side. So, um, and we'll come to that in a minute. But uh, no, he's he's on board. I, I get the firm impression that uh, at least a couple more players have agreed terms. Um, but there is a slight delay um, uh, in um, their medicals taking place, yeah. and so I don't think an announcement may be made for a day or two yet. I think they're virtually done. Um, uh, so, you know. Yeah, there's been um, a lot of noise on fingers crossed with that. social media, as there always is. Um, stories linking Torquay with Cody Cook. From yeah. Truro. Yes. He, this Quite is a, a prospect he is, isn't well, he? Well, he is. Uh, and he's a Cornish lad through and through and, and came up, you know, um, from in local football down there. Uh, started off as a right winger um, and um, uh, is ended up as a striker yeah. for Truro. Did very well last season. I think he was their leading scorer. Uh, he's actually signed up for this Jamie Vardy Academy, yeah. uh, which basically is a showcase 
organisation. Like the Glen Hoddle used Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. Yeah. At least the Glen Hoddle Academy out in Spain, that they used to go and stay there and coach. Yeah. This is much more of a of a, uh, a showcasing jobs. They put matches on and the, and the players go there. All the scouts turn up and um, etc. Funny enough, there's a very very promising young defender at Chester last season called I think his name was James. That's his surname and. Um, he took the eye of everybody when United yeah. played at Chester uh, and won their last season. Um, and I know he went down in quite a few notebooks, only 18, 19 years old, very classy youngster. And I think everybody was a bit disappointed at playing well because I think they were hoping they might nick him from yeah. under a bit yeah. of radar. And uh, and he's also signed for the Jamie Vardy Academy. So, um, And I'm sure somebody will pick him up in the, yeah. the north of England. But uh, but Cody Cook has, has technically you know, uh, put his name down with them. So but does that count as, as a signing? No, it doesn't. It, no, so no, 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 it, no. It's, it's, they're not a registered uh, competitive club. So okay. you, can, you can be with them and... Yeah. As far as I know, anyway. Um, uh, but United have been linked with him, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's just sort of the sort of chat you get at this time of year. You, you um, do get a lot there. of chat this time of year. You do. A lot, a lot goes do. on. Because um, the other thing that people were talking about is John Paul Pittman, who obviously is still on the transfer list at yep. Plainmore, possibly getting a move to Exeter. Well, uh, uh, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, haven't uh, spoken to JP yet um, I'll be putting a call in later on um, yeah we'll see uh, yeah. Uh, that may be would be a good uh, move chatter. for him oh Christ might you yeah. snatch your hand off he, he had a very very frustrating year last yeah. year at Torquay um, uh, so we'll see he's he's somebody for whom the move to Torquay was a, a big step for him and his family um, very up for it um, loves living here um, Good club man, uh, you yeah. know, good to have around, but j- it just did not happen for him at all on the no. pitch last season. He actually scored three goals in a relatively short period of time, but he started well, didn't he? Unfortunately, it was in a losing team yeah. at the time, yeah. so he didn't get much attention. And then, as the season went on, he just got less and less playing time at all. Had some injury problems, hamstrings, which were always, you know, uh, difficult. Um, and it ended up being a bit of a, you know, a, a sort of yeah. a, not a wasted season, but a, but a not a season to forget for him so um, uh, and, we'll see and you've also I mean there's a piece in the Herald Express this week about Tommy O'Sullivan who was well, an, another player that we saw a bit of but we didn't see a lot of last year I, 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 I was in the I was a, a sort of signed up member of the Tommy O'Sullivan fan club um, uh, certainly not after his first couple of games um, he made his debut at um, th- this is a player who's got a hell of a good pedigree uh, former young Welsh player, Wales Young Player of the Year. Um, uh, a lot of people rated him very highly at Cardiff City. Yeah. He's an attacking midfield player. Um, uh, had good loan spells at Port Vale, Newport, where he did very well when they were trying to stay in the yeah. league. Eventually got a move to Colchester, joined Torquay on loan from Colchester. And when he came here, we were in the middle of a really poor run uh, in January. He made his debut at Wrexham. Where he looked, um, what's the right word? A bit lightweight in, yeah. in a four-nil defeat. I remember we had the young lad from Plymouth, Fletcher, up front, and he he looked similarly yeah. out of place yeah. there. Um, uh, then lost to home to Eastley, I think it was. That was the first time we saw him at, uh, at Playmore, and then he yeah. was taken off in a four-nil defeat against Bromley. I think Jamie Reed was taken off as well, and the, the Playmore crowd. 
you know, it, it wasn't personal against him, and they were just thoroughly frustrated. Yeah, it was and, one and of the few times that they did turn a little bit last they season, did. wasn't and, it? And that and that they, well, <laughs> Gary Hours was understandably upset afterwards about the crowd's treatment. I think it was more just one of those reactions of here we are getting stuffed at home again. Yeah, um, these aren't the type of players that are going to get us out of trouble, and when. Uh, Gary took them off. Uh, I yeah. think there was some applause or some ironic cheering. Put it like that. Yeah. Um, uh, we've all seen this down through the years. Mm. Uh, um, older United fans will remember a hell of a centre forward called Steve Howard, who yeah. used to play for almost everybody in the lower divisions. Barn door centre forward ended up playing at a very good level. I think he went to Leicester City in the end. Did he not in, he did. in the Championship? Yeah. Wasn't uh, he part of that Leicester squad that? Got promoted yes, the he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Now I remember him making his debut at Hartlepool against Torquay as an 18-year-old centre forward, and he was booed off the pitch <laughs> with about yeah. half an hour to go. And I can remember this lanky but quite well-built lad walking off with his head on his chest at Hartlepool. His yeah. own supporters cheering him off the pitch when he went off. And I, I remember looking and thinking, "My goodness, you're, if you come through this and be a player, you'll you'll be made of the yeah. right stuff." And sure enough, he was. In Tommy O'Sullivan's case, it wasn't nearly as bad as that treatment, I can assure everybody. But um, I, I always sort of, you know, you just have a, a feeling about a player. You yeah. get a glimpse of, of what they can do. Uh, and I always thought he had something. And then he, he, he took a long time to get back in the team. It was affected by, of course, the old five lone player rule in yeah, each match was, day that squad. That was a strange one, wasn't it? <clears throat> uh, and eventually he uh, got back in the team. Uh, I'm pretty sure he got on when Josh Gowling was injured very early in the win mm. at Leighton Orient. And uh, Gary Howes had a bit of a rejig, sent O'Sullivan on then in midfield. And um, I think he may have been playing soccer lick in a holding midfield road, so switched yeah. him into the back four. Anyway, um, did very well. United won 1 0. Um, and in the next match, I thought he was our best attacking player at Solihull. He, he was very yeah. energetic, up and down the pitch. Um, uh, he can play with good both feet, uh, and it looked like he was just getting to grips with the physicality of it all, the work rate you have to yeah. put in. In other words, it's not a standing round division where the game comes to you. You have to go out yeah. and get it. Uh, and he, he just was coming back into it, and everybody was telling me behind the scenes, he's looking great in training, he's really... The, you yeah. know, the pennies dropped. And But then, the, again, the pressure of the relegation scrap... Gary Owes had um, Connor Lemon, Hay Evans, and yeah. and, and um, Luke Young in midfield, and he's found it, you know, tough to get back in the team, and um, he, he was end, ended up being sort of nudged out again, coming back to the five so loan rule. But anyway, yeah. he, he got released at, at Colchester yeah. at the end of the season, um, and I ran his name past Gary Owes this week, and he. He reacted as I expected him to react and said, yeah, well, you know, we didn't get the, see the best of him last season, really. He still hasn't got a club. So I did a piece this week saying, look, it wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if Gary yeah. Howes ends up um, uh, maybe getting him back. Because I'm sure he's the type of young ex-league player who could yeah. um, uh, do something, especially in the National League South. And of, of the, the signings we've made, we've yet to address the midfield area at all. No, we? absolutely yeah. not. Eshuman uh, can play as a sort of holding midfield player. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see exactly what sort of formation 
uh, Gary Owls is going to end up playing. Mm. I mean, he did say he dropped a fairly strong hint about it, about his approach this week, when he, he basically saying that, that, you know, his object is to put the biggest, strongest, most mobile team yeah. that he can lay his hands on out there. In other words, there won't be much... Uh, um, you know, not much finesse, tippy tappy football. No, okay. no, no tick attacker then. No, but and I can understand that. You know, uh, um, I made a comment in the paper this week about the fact that that's exactly the approach that Paul Buckle adopted yeah. when we came yeah. down uh, the first time. Um, you know, when you had a team with um, Chris Todd, Lee Phillips, Tim Sills, Chris Hargreaves, and Chris Zabrowski, um that was all about pace, power, and yeah. aggression, uh, and especially with Kevin Nicholson sticking. 40-yard diagonal balls onto yeah. right, and I hasten to add right onto Tim Sill's head. But the whole point about whatever tactics you play is whatever you do, you have to do it with some quality. Yeah. If you don't, you, you can bash it all afternoon, and if the ball is going 10, 15 yards beyond the nearest player in your shirt, it's rubbish. Uh, and, um, you know, Ian Atkins always used to say, that uh, a long ball that doesn't go to your man is a long ball, whereas a long ball that does go to your man is a great pass. And <laughs> and and he's and he was right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, uh, uh, you you whatever style you adopt, whether you're p- trying to get it off the back four and pass it through midfield, or you're being pretty direct, you have to do it with a bit of quality yeah. sooner or later, or else it's uh, it's uh, it's out with the washing, isn't it? And the thing that we have lacked, not not that I have any great tactical understanding, but we we seem to lack an out ball in the last couple of seasons too often it's been like attack against defence the defence clears the ball and the attack comes the opposing attack comes straight back at us again Yeah. so if we're building a midfield they they, they need somebody who can receive well, there's, there's two out balls in football isn't there? isn't there there's two out balls in football one goes is, it goes wide to yeah. a winger or an attacking full back or it goes into the channel over their defence and you have a, stri- a strikers yeah. or forwards who are prepared to you know run like the wind and get on the end of it uh, and uh, it, it remains to be seen quite how United will approach that yeah. um, you know you've got at the moment um, you've got Brett Williams Jamie Reed, Rory Keating up front well mm-hmm. Jamie Reed is your out ball yeah. type of striker yeah. um, uh, I think you know there's more work to be done in that department um, Liam Davis is an obvious out ball attacking yeah. left back uh, left winger um, but in order to whatever you do you have to have players who can deliver that ball yeah uh, um, uh, and and of course Luke Young could and the top priority at the moment is to find yeah. a replacement for for Luke Young and Gary Hours we presume is is working on that as we speak indeed now, um, one of our regular listeners Rich Mills uh, made the point last week that we touched on but I think we should probably talk about it some more with this part-time and full-time thing absolutely whether Torquay have created a real problem for themselves by insisting on staying full-time because you know, it, it seems to be making it difficult to recruit players isn't the, it? The, the, yeah the, I think the point that the sort of doubters are making is is is, is almost like the, are United cutting off their nose to spite their yeah. face here I, I think that there's that there's there are various arguments on this. First of all, uh, when it was when it was confirmed that United would be staying full time, mm. I think that sent out all the right messages messages at the time about the club's intent and um, you know how they were going to tackle life after relegation yeah. if it happened. Because don't forget, it was announced actually before, well before United went down. So yeah. I think th- that announcement was made for all those right reasons. I also think there was an element of 
uh, it strikes me of continuity about a thing. In other words, if United were go for full time from full time, which they have been in the past always, then they went part time, and then, for instance, let's say fingers crossed they win promotion next season. Do you then go back to full time after that? Yeah. Um, uh, we we don't know, for instance, how long United will remain full time. In other words, if they don't go up next season. Mm. Uh, in in maybe unlucky circumstances, how long will Clark Osborne, the owner, um, fund full, yeah. th- full a, fu- a full time squad? Because the pledge was quite specific, wasn't it? It was to fund a season of of trying to get back. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. But the, the 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 point that quite a few supporters are making, and actually Gary Gary Hours has touched on, pointing out the fact that especially in the home counties areas, there's plenty of clubs who are uh, um, who are part-time but are paying sufficient football wages so that those players yeah. are with their uh, um, with the day job with the day yeah. job yeah. are earning more than United can compete with and mm. that's the that's the, the the point that supporters have quite rightly made um, so uh, can you mix full and part-time well, players in a squad? I would have thought so yeah but but I put this to Gary I was um, funny enough several weeks ago when he gave the answer and again the other day and and uh, he said and you know you take him at, at face value no I want I want a full-time squad I want them in I want them working every day yeah um, with all hopefully the fitness benefits and organizational stuff that you get from that um, well that's fine and and uh, uh, you know he he's working very hard on on that I'm sure right now, um, but the point I was making was that I think if you're going, if you even in the conference, sorry, keep calling it the yeah, conference, I, I do. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the national league, there's more and more evidence that uh, more and more clubs are leaning back towards part-time football. Um, uh, that, that this full-time commitment is is very tough. I, I was astonished to hear that Halifax had actually gone from part-time to full-time. Sometimes these are a little bit misleading phrases. Even the part-time clubs, so-called, yeah. are training three times a week and playing on Saturdays. Well, if you're a full-time club, you play on Saturday, Sundays are off, Mondays are in, Tuesdays are in. Very often, Wednesdays is the, is the midweek day off. Yeah, you train Thursday. You've had a game on a Tuesday, and you, and especially if yeah. you've had a game yeah. on a Tuesday, you train Thursday. Yeah, if you're travelling on the Friday, you might have a training session before you leave or somewhere on the way, up and you play on Saturday. That's only three and a half days training anyway, and you're supposed yeah. to be full time. So this is, you know, it, it, you can. It's, it's a grey area. I yeah, suppose, you you, it? you can mould the facts to, yeah. uh, to prove what you want. But do you but, think do you think Gary will be forced to backtrack on that in order to? Um, I don't. I, I don't think Gary's a sort of that sort of a person, no, really. I thought but, about that before I said it. But, uh, <laughs> but no, no. I, I think the whole point is that if you're going to have any part-time players, yeah. And let's face it, I, I, I can go all the way back, and many supporters can go for much further than me, back to the, the days of Frank O'Farrell mm. in the '60s, when Torquay United were the most professional club you could imagine as a lower division small town football club it it was it was it was like a, a, a you know a high efficiency operation up there frank as manager very driven john smith the old secretary not a thing no. escaped his attention um and uh, talk united were trying to win promotion which they duly did in frank's first season uh, up to the what's now league 1 and he did it with 
Um, not the first season, John Bond in the first season, and then Ken Brown arrived from West Ham yeah. as well in the second season, who both lived and trained in London during the week and travelled down, yeah. and they had to be in Torquay on sometimes a Thursday night if Frank really wanted them down, or definitely on the Friday night, yeah. um, uh, and then played on the Saturday. Now, uh, you know... That worked all right. And it worked, <laughs> and it worked pretty well, because Frank could trust those older senior pros yeah. to give him what he wanted to give them, mm. give him on, on, on Saturdays. Okay, so they weren't here during the week, um, and they, they, they weren't taking part in the training sessions. Um, so if you're going to go down the road of part-time, it's not with the younger players. You, no. they're, they're, yeah. they're getting the most benefit by being in all the time, working hard, working on stuff, training, you know, technique, blah, 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 all the other stuff, even though we did say last week that they stopped coaching technically in Spain <laughs> at the age of 16, but still, never mind. Um, so what uh, you need uh, is, uh, a, uh, is a wise exactly. old Exactly, and that's why I, yeah. I, I, I drew the parallel in the paper this week about you imagine an Alex Russell of eight or ten years ago at the age of 35, 36. He's retired, you know, or retiring yeah. from football, um, he's running a, a state agency in Bristol, um, uh, but still up for playing, fit, can pass it for Britain. Da -da 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 -da. What's not to like about yeah. persuading someone like Alex Russell um, uh, coming down and playing in the middle of Torquay United's midfield and training twice a week? He's fit, he's committed, he's yeah. an exceptional professional, all the things you want in your team. It's those sort of players that you ought to be able to entertain, you'd have thought, um, as a, for a possible part-time yeah. terms, and that would take all the boxes from his point of view. Um, so, but, but anyway, United don't seem to be, you know, going down that road. And good luck to them. You know, uh, Gary Howes is the manager, and he 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 makes that decision. And and um, the proof of the pudding will be absolutely in the eating. Now we've um, we've won an award this week. Well, we? yes. Which I not us, not no. the podcast. I hasten to add, Talker United have picked up a trophy. It, it's it's worried you a little bit though, Henders, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it has. <laughs> it, it's it's the National League Fair Play and Respect Award. Now, when you get relegated to yeah. the lowest point in the club's history, uh, this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, not that not that this podcast in any way condones foul play in any <laughs> or respect, lack of respect. But are we too nice to stay in the <laughs> National League? It's it's it seems like a bit of a backhander to say. You're relegated. Off you go to National League South. By the way, here's the fair play and respect award. Well, it it it, it was it it wasn't expected. It was something that cropped up at the league's annual meeting at uh, Newport last weekend, and um, uh, uh, Jeff Harrop, the United general manager, who was there. Was obviously uh, tipped off that United yeah. were were going to receive the National League fair play and respect award. This is for com this is a combined award apparently for. Uh, the way the club conducts itself on and off the pitch. Um, uh, and uh, United, uh, who actually did have one of the better disciplinary records yeah. in the end, um, uh, not the best. Um, I think Macclesfield, actually, who, who happened yeah. to win it, had the best. Um, but in that, the combined that and the way they conducted themselves, uh, both at playing more, in their looking after other clubs, and, and generally speaking, 
uh, won the award for yeah. the National League. Uh, Brackley Town, who, who of course lost in the playoffs in the National League North, got in that division, and St Albans City got it in the National League South. But I'd, don't ask me, Henders, <laughs> uh, 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 whether where on the United's trophy uh, uh, sideboard this particular yeah. award will be placed. I mean, in all seriousness, it's good to win that. It's good to yes. treat opponents, fans, match officials with respect. Absolutely. But I wouldn't be sorry if we didn't win that again. No. (laughs) In other words, uh, um, yes. If if, If it's at the cost of getting a Billy Bremner in that midfield, then... um, As as my good friend and and many other people's good friend, Paul Bastard, (laughs) always says, let's get a gangster into midfield. And uh, and if we happen to have one next season, uh, who ends up you know, picking up a few bookings. I don't think too many of us will uh, um, be uh, desperate not to hand back the uh, fair play and respect award. But anyway, uh, thank you to the National League for giving it out. And Thea Bristow, bless her, jumped in her car and um, uh, drove up to um, uh, the Celtic Manor Resort at Newport to to receive the trophy on United's behalf. There's a few other bits of Talking United business to talk about before we move briefly on to the World Cup. Uh, Boots and Laces. Is is, op- is reopened, yeah. yep, and uh, with a bit of a smart enough. It's not a complete refurb or anything like that. Um, uh, a new manager there, Stuart Wood, who's a very long-standing United fan and has actually helped, has been running the Gull's Nest up to now. Um, he's in there. It's up and running again, um, looking a good deal smarter than it was before. Yeah. Um, Good and, place to start your match day, isn't well, it? Well, it, it is, and and that's that's the object to sort of make it, uh, and and of course the bar is back in house management yeah. now. Uh, it has been leased out for quite a few years, and um, that that agreement has come to an end, or and um, uh, uh, reopened just in time for the World Cup. So uh, plenty yeah. of screens on in <laughs> there for wall to wall, wall to wall World Cup watching, and uh, yeah, I hope it's a, su- a success. Any move, we spoke before about not having a physio at the moment at Claymore. I I understand there's one lined up, but uh, no firm announcement on that yet. Uh, And of course United also still looking for a new shirt sponsor. Uh, CSUK are not continuing with their... When we um, talked about this this last year, we were quite pleasantly surprised, and I think local businesses would be, uh, how reasonable it can be to get involved in yes. that shirt sponsorship. Yeah, I mean, and, if, and there's a range of sponsorship. You can either you can do the shirts, you can do the shorts, you can do various bits and pieces yeah. if you want. The, the, the shirt sponsorship is obviously the main one. And I, I'm I'm a bit sad that CSUK aren't carrying on, not because uh, you know they're entitled to make their own decision, but I think they've been good, and I think their logo was good. It looked really smart. Yeah. Um, and United will do well to get somebody yeah. that, that ticked the boxes quite was, as they did but it was um, a, it was a good kit last year oh, it was good. I mean it, we were the best dressed team at the bottom of the division yeah but, um, um, the whole I, I think when we when we recall Kevin Nicholson sort of putting that squad together during the summer and there was all the um, uh, I think Pro Direct came on board in a bit yeah. in terms of, of the of the kit didn't they and 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 it all looked very professional and mm-hmm. and uh, a good deal smarter than it had done before, and um, you know, sadly, it didn't quite go on the pitch as everybody had hoped. No. But um, uh, it was uh, United will do well to repeat that. They're working very hard at it at the moment, so uh, good luck to them on that uh, point. And you've been had a look at South Devon College. Yes, yeah, so they very kindly invited me round uh, for a bit of a, a look around. I think they're 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 
it's it's an amazing place, isn't it? I, I've I'd driven yeah. through it before. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit like a suburb, isn't it? Out it there, is. it's 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 it's. Uh, but it's getting it's almost back like a almost, small town. Yeah, it's like the days when STC were out there and, and Nortel and AVX and all that. It was very much like a small town. And well, it's it's, it's an extraordinary days, place, isn't, isn't yeah. it? There's, there, there are enormous amounts of money gone in there, and it's it's uh, you can see it being a university before long, yeah. can't you? Yeah. And um, but no, basically uh, the the um, sports department, which I'm sure is called something longer than that, but uh, invited yeah. me out mainly because I've got a few friends who work there and uh, for a look around and very, very impressive it is. Mm -hmm. But also on the back of that, of course, that they're uh, looking forward to the opening of a, of a completely new unit out there costing yeah. many millions of pounds, uh, which is going to include a new 3G all-weather pitch um, and a a sort of mini sports centre, um, which will be up on the left-hand side. If you go off the ring road down towards the college, there's some industrial units on the left-hand side, and then high on the, on the hill there, that, yeah. that unit will be there. And, of course, the college are very keen to open up uh, all these facilities to the community as much as they possibly can, and that will be opening in, that unit will be opening in October, November time. So it was all part of uh, very kindly inviting me out uh, to for a bit of a look round yeah. and... Uh, and very impressive it was. They've got some amazing kit out there. So gra um, grassroots football is thriving, isn't it, in Torbay and South Devon as well? Well, it, it is and it isn't. Uh, it, there's not enough players hmm. playing and committing themselves to sport right across the board, generally, but especially football yeah. uh, and cricket. Um, and uh, I think that's part of the message, which, which it's only it's only a part of it, but... Um, you know, we need more young. There's plenty of people play sport all the way through their school and college careers as teenagers, yeah. basically. And then they, get, for some strange reason, they seem to get to sort of 2021 20, or whatever it is. Yeah. And they effectively pack up. Yeah. And then very often start again. When they, when they reach. You know, the it's age when they yeah. can't actually go anywhere, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? And, I and they then, yeah. it's almost like you and I have been doing sport for many years, not because we're any good at any of them, but because we just enjoy it yeah. and we fancy yeah. doing it and we want to get stuck in and we, we're fairly committed and we also, for our pains, are quite competitive. And, and, and yet those good years of your life when you're 20, you know, through your 20s and early 30s, when you can actually achieve something in sport and, and et cetera, people aren't doing it. No, you spend them doing the exact opposite, don't you? Quite. Really? Yeah. And, and yeah. so I think uh, that there's quite a, a sort of a, a desire from some very dedicated people out there to try, with the help of all the facilities out there, uh, to encourage clubs and more youngsters yeah. to sort of make use of these facilities and you know you, you can go and train not on some tufty piece of you know land uh, you know half set aside for the purpose but you're going to have a th uh, an all-weather mm. 3g pitch you're going to have the changing facilities you're going to have the fitness suites you're going to have the spinning classes you're going to have the all these things there on your doorstep yeah. available to do uh, and uh, it was great to see, uh, and not least, of course, followed by the staff versus the students football match. Oh, right. Yeah, which was... Uh, that that um, got quite lively, a, I imagine. An epic affair it was, <laughs> uh, for all, uh, and before the staff won on penalties, uh, which was uh, yeah. just about as good as it gets. But, it and they did manage to, at the staff, there's a hell of a lot riding on this game, of course, because yeah. you can imagine the... 
Uh, um, There'd be some sledging going on, <laughs> wouldn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, they managed to avenge last year's defeat by the students. So, uh, and um, but uh, Chris Todd was playing at the back. Niall Thompson, who used to play yeah. for United yeah. on the right wing. Um, uh, Danny Gaze, who's still a very good player yeah. um, in midfield, um, and a young man called Austin, Austin Booth, who's a name that people should keep keep an ear out for. A young defender. He's at Truro City at the moment. He actually played a couple of games for United during pre-season last year. Yeah. Young uh, teenage centre half. Um, I think he's from certainly from. I think he might come from, from Kings Kerswell, but he's he's uh, um, he's got a little bit There's of a, a, name fu- to a future, for, a future yeah? ahead of him. Yeah. 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 Okay, you heard it here first. Right, today's the day the World Cup begins. It's Thursday. 2018, it's Thursday, the World Cup starts. Now next week, we're going to talk about our favourite World Cup because we haven't got time to do that this week. So let us know, what was your favourite World Cup? Are you one of these young whippersnappers that starts in 1990 or are you slightly more classic, should we say? (laughs) And and 1966 might be be a great one for you. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about favourite World Cups next week for yep. all kinds of reasons. But there's quite a few things to um, to discuss ahead of the World Cup, including a, a talky connection with, with Sweden, of course. Well, let, let, let's wish Sweden all the best of luck in a desperately tough group, Yeah. Uh, um, mainly because of our very good friend Paul Balsam, um, talky born and bred, who's Sweden's fitness and conditioning yeah. and analysis head and has been for many many years he's and he always gets himself on the tv he always he? manages yeah, to get yeah. himself on the tv he's he's uh, um, a huge talkie fan yeah uh, he also helped leicester city out during claudio ranieri's time there and when they won the title of course he was a central figure in that backroom team and he's uh, still on board with sweden yeah um uh, off, off to the world cup because they're in this horrendous group with germany mexico uh, they ought to get past South Korea, but they'll they'll yeah. do well to, uh, to between to get them through and Mexico group, for the uh, for the second place. You would have thought so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so good luck to them. Um, you have uh, a hats off, horse hats as off well. to Tim yeah. Cahill. Yes. Australia, thirty-eight years old. Um, I'm assuming he's the oldest player. How many? He must have played in about four or five World Cups, yes. mustn't he? Australia well, always managed to stagger through in some shape or form. Don't well, they? Wasn't Roger Miller about sixty then? Oh yes, he was. Yeah, yeah from the Cameroons. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so Tim Cahill. Good luck to him. Um, Your dark horses, though. I, if my, anybody's looking to get a bet on, ahead my, of my, the, I'm um, already on. Yeah, yeah, I'm already on. Dark horses, Croatia. Okay. Uh, they they nearly always manage to get through to the later stage of the competition. They've got a hell of a squad, which I think has gone under yeah. the radar a little bit. Um, have a look at them. They are in in Argentina's group, but I, I think I could see them coming through yeah. that and upsetting a few people. Um, we did have a. Um, a little look, didn't we, you and I, through the players, N- not just the players who are not going, because obviously with it, countries like Italy mm. and and Holland not yeah, actually qualifying, yeah. there were plenty of good players not going, but players who haven't actually been selected been left at home. by yeah. being left at home. Um, uh, and they include, and rather worryingly, uh, um, I, if you put a gun to my head now, I'd have to stick with Germany to win the yeah. thing. They've Des- left, despite the fact, despite yeah. the fact that they've left Leroy Sane and Mario Goetze at home. Yeah. I mean, that is what a luxury come on. that is, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. France's squad, which is packed with good players, they've everybody keeps on about Belgium, don't they? Well, Belgium's are they the best squad? A bit like Holland yeah. used to be the best squad not to win it. You know, are Belgium going to be the forever kind of like um, flatterers? But France have not taken Lacazette 
uh, Kingsley Coman or Anthony Martial, oh. which is a bit is a bit thought provoking. Uh, I would definitely have taken Jack Wilshire. I've really? never been a yeah. huge fan of his mm. um, during his early years at Arsenal, but he he had all those injuries, didn't he? And he had a good little spell at Bournemouth, got yeah. himself going again, and I thought he was terrific at Arsenal towards the end of last season. Uh, I think he's a game-changing, yeah. you know, possibly game-winning midfielder, and we're not sort of like over-blessed with that, although obviously we have some decent players. Um, uh, Morata, uh, uh, Spain, and Cesc Fabregas—they're yeah. not going either. So, um, and they've sacked their manager. And they've said, well, <laughs> what, what was that? Just because he'd taken the Real Madrid? Well, that's, that was the headline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, what because he hadn't told them. Apparently, that, that seemed to be the yeah. instant. You know, well, you can't go and get another job without telling us. Well, yes, he has. Fire him so. on the eve of the World Cup. That's right. We'll so, see how they react to that. That's right. So that's a, a list of players who, who who won't actually be there. I read something interesting. Now, the Undoubtedly, the talking point of this World Cup is going to be the video. Oh my goodness! Yeah, there was a, an article the other day which I and I think I read this right. Linesmen are not are being asked not to flag on close offsides. Well, uh, that is so the, that they can then yes, let it, the VAR it make its mind up. Colina, who of course we all loved as a referee, yeah. is now the head of the referees' body, basically, and he was, you know, he must know. What it's like. Yeah, this You're is out impossible. there in the middle of a World yeah. Cup game. What and saying? Well, whenever you have a close offside decision, well, aren't nearly all offside yeah. decisions close? They should be close. Well, if the players are doing their jobs, offside. They're should going be to close, be close. Yeah. So you're actually effectively telling every linesman that unless it's so much daylight, yeah. it's not even that you're not going to wave your flag for offside. So is every offside decision going to go to yeah. VAR? And he might, I mean, linesmen, it's a pressured enough job anyway. Quite. Now they've got to decide, yes. is this a close one, is this not? Well, By which time half a second's elapsed. But it'll just be a get-out card, won't it? Yeah. Be, be, yeah. Uh, which, of course, is what VAR does with yeah. referees, but not only in football, in, 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 in other sports as well. You know, you're giving, you're, you're actually encouraging the officials not to official. Yeah. And, and um, uh, it, it's... Uh, well, the I, proof fear of the pudding, that, the I fear proof of the that pudding. this tournament will be the tournament that proves that VAR is a very bad idea. Well, uh, you goal know, line technology, yes, absolutely, fine. that made sense. Quite. No argument. No, VAR is a terrible idea. No, no, that's right. And when you think that, okay, that the the old diving and penalties decisions, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, even that one in the, um, the 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 game when. The English referee gave a hugely controversial penalty in difficult circumstances. Was it in a, a European Cup uh, Champions League one when Buffon threw his toys out? Oh, the yes. Yeah, Juventus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it was Michael Oliver, wasn't yeah. it? He was right. Yes, he was. He was yeah, right. Yeah. And yet, you know, he can hardly go on holiday in Italy now because he'd never get home in one piece. He was right. Yeah, you, you know? have to trust the referees. That's and, what and, they're there for. And, and, and it'll be very, very interesting to see. Uh, um, I mean, you know, the first few, I hope the linesmen behind the scenes are being told by Mr. Colina, and let's face it, he could make a decision when he wanted to make one, yeah, couldn't he? Yeah. Uh, are being told, look, I know we've come out in public and say that, but don't worry about it, you keep sticking your flag up and we'll support. I yeah. hope that's the message that's going on behind the scenes, because if it's to be taken at face value, and I was a linesman going to the World yeah. Cup, I'd be keeping my flag down by the side yeah, of my you'd pants. Be, you'd feel completely undermined, wouldn't you? Of course you would. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it was an extraordinary... It didn't have to be sent out, that message. No. They could have kept that to themselves. 
you know, everybody's, it's, it's a controversial enough thing as it is, to come out and actually say, if the decision's a bit tight, keep your flag down. Well, hold on a minute, you're actually saying, well, break yeah. the rules. You're yeah. encouraging yeah. the official. Is he offside or not? Do you think he's offside or not? You the know? offside rule is complicated enough. Quite. Without it, it was a messing it was, it was it. a weird one. So, I mean, fingers crossed it it doesn't end up spoiling things. But um, I have a horrible feeling that we're going to be talking more about the VAR than we're going to be talking about anything else. Well, and and, and you may be right. But, uh, and anyway, the, the the it all kicks off tonight. It does indeed. Russia against uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia in the group where not a single country is rated above about four hundred and fifty-three. It's, it's a terrible group, <laughs> which means it'll probably be the best football. Well, there, there yeah, you it's go. Always it's, the way. Uh, Two quick questions then for England fans. England play on Monday. Monday Tunisia. night. Um, do you start with Rashford or do you keep Rashford on the bench? Uh, I would start with him. I think start he's a match Rashford. winner. And defend Maguire or Cahill? Maguire. Maguire. I think he's. A, I think he's the coming lad. Yeah. I think he's got his head screwed on. Uh, um, you could tell him to play out from the back, and he'd nod and say, "Yes, Gaffer, leave it to me." Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Hoof. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if he if, if he detects any danger, he doesn't muck the about. It's gone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. I, th yeah. I think I think he's a, a player who's improving almost every time you see him. Yeah. I'd, I'd go with Maguire, and um, uh, I'd also. Um, I'd shift Stones out of the middle and play him on the right-hand side yeah. and put somebody like him, down, uh, the other lad, the lesser lad, down the middle. Um, or an either-or. Yeah. I, I, Stones is a hugely gifted player, and etc. Yeah. Et but He's got he, a mistake in him, hasn't he? And, and if you're going to make a mistake, make it out wide and not yeah. straight down the middle. Yeah, indeed. Thank you very much for your time. This has been the Talker United. I didn't say this at the beginning. I was so overwhelmed by the arrival of cake. <laughs> I didn't mention that this is the Talker United Yellow Army Herald Express Devon Live podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We're off for tea and cake. Thank and, you, uh, Julian. Instead again. of well, let's have a come on, you, come on it, come on you, England, rather than I can't uh, do that. Than, can't you? I can't, as a dyed in the wool Wales supporter, I can't. Of yeah, course I'll you can't. Yeah. No, 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 no. But um, I, re I, I genuinely hope they do well. I like the look of this squad. I'm looking forward to watching them play. Yeah, I do hope they do well. But yes, I can't join in, Dave. I just, just. just doesn't quite go, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Bale will be there one day. <laughs> he will. Yeah. But as ever, from Talkie United fans, come, come on, on you yellows. yellows.